Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. back nature nerds this is megan here my co-host jen sitting across from me we're getting ready to tell you some cautionary tales about people in peril or animals in peril in nature and nature just all nature all the science all the news all the time (laughs) (laughs) jen so i have one really quick shout out and my apologies i wanted to shout these folks out last episode, our hippo episode, because they actually sent me the suggestion. I couldn't remember who it was. And we've been getting a lot of Instagram messages. Basically, we're like super popular now. We get like two every day. It's amazing. All the time. And so just push the message down and I couldn't find it. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll figure it out. They'll hear it and they'll be like, hey, she did. She wrote me. And I just want to give a really quick shout out to Chantel Lawson and Cohen Hodge for the Pablo Escobar cocaine hippo story. Oh, yeah. What a great story. It was really fun. And I'm so sorry to get a chance to shout you out, Chantel and fam. But we're so happy you gave us that suggestion. It was a lot of fun to do. Yeah. So anybody who else who has some suggestions, you can email us. I just want to let everybody know that Saber is doing his usual gen worship. He's staring at me. Well, he didn't even lay on his bed. He's laying on the cold tile, just staring up. Oh, nice. And there he goes, there he goes over to his bed because I said bed. <laughs> and now he's like, Poor but Saber. I want to still stare at her. He's going to stare at me for this little opening right here. So Megan, yes. do you have some science news for us today? I do. And actually your mom sent in this science news. Yes, thank you, Julie. Thank you so much, Miss Julie. Okay, so she sent an article by the Rainforest Site News, and it's entitled Glimpse of Rare White Giraffes is Thrilling Researchers Everywhere. In 2017, a pair of white giraffes, one adult and one calf, were spotted by local residents and conservationists in Garissa County, Kenya. They have a condition called leucism, leucism, and I guess it's often confused with albinism, uh, which is a a genetic condition in which which partial pigmentation is lost in an animal, uh, making them look pale, white, or patchy colored. And unlike albinism, leucism is caused by a reduction in multiple types of pigment, not just melanin. So I guess like that's why they're pure white. Stop right there. My mom sent this and she was like... They're so beautiful because she had just listened to the giraffe episode and she's like, look at this. So beautiful. I hope that no one will hurt them. And I was like, I kind of read into it. I was like, oh, no. Oh, mom. I have some bad news. Jen sent me a BBC article from March 2020. So three years later, uh, entitled Rare White Giraffes Killed by Poachers in Kenya. I mean, come on, people. Yeah. As they found the carcasses of the female and her calf in a village in northeastern Kenya's Garissa County, same place. They say in this article that there's a third white giraffe that's still alive. So maybe, I guess, in that family, maybe she had another calf. Yeah. I wonder if those people were prosecuted or anything happened to those poachers, if they were found. I would even think that a lot of the other residents there would have been really pissed off. Right. It's not just about conservation, but also definitely tourism. People would want to come and see some rare white giraffes for sure. Yeah, Of course, there's the poachers and the complete assholes that don't care. But then there's a lot of people that 
They really care about that and they don't want to see this happening. I imagine there was some outrage. There is a quote from Mohammed Ahmed Noor. This is a very sad day for the community of Ijara and Kenya as a whole. We are the only community in the world who are custodians of the white giraffe. It is a killing blow to the tremendous steps taken by the community to conserve rare and unique species and a wake up call for continued support to conservation efforts. Oh, man. Um, And in this article, the poachers have not yet been identified and their motive is still unclear. If they poached the giraffes and then they found the giraffe carcasses, I mean, what did they take? What are they poaching? Is it the meat? But I can't remember which countries or what areas that yeah. they they take the tail. Oh, right. I remember you mentioned So that. I'm not sure. I mean, right. most people would take them for meat. Mm-hmm. I would hate to see a whole giraffe killed for its tail. For but I mean, tail. it's just like taking tusks. and Yeah. So actually, in this article, they say the white giraffes were first spotted in Kenya in 2016. The other article said 2017, but either way. And then there was a third article. In November of 2020, world's only known white giraffe fitted with tracker to deter poachers. And they have a real nice picture of him at the top. He's like, what's up, y'all? They put this GPS tracking device on this male white giraffe because they want to monitor his movements in real time. They're worried that he will suffer the same fate as that female and her seven-month-old calf. Uh, they put the tracker. I was like, oh, did they put it around its neck? Like, how does it work? Like a like, necklace? It's just like a giant necklace. Yeah. Just a chain. Just bling. Um, but no, they put it around the giraffe's horns. Oh, interesting. Right? I'm like, oh, obviously, they, they did they have to trank him? Or like, really tall a really ladder. tall ladder? Like, how did you guys do that? Kind of amazing. That is how they are tracking him. They say in the article, in a statement released, on Tuesday, the nonprofit group said the tracking device would give hourly updates on the giraffe's whereabouts, enabling rangers to, quote, keep the unique animal safe from poachers. And my next question is, is there a website where we can also see <laughs> where this giraffe is moving? Well, I wonder if he can, like, hook up with some lady love and then maybe they'll have some more. Yeah. I mean, you never know. It's 50-50 chance, right? But you yeah. might get one. Get it on. Someone needs to go out there with some Marvin Gaye. <laughs> some, Let's get it on. Some candles. Light some candles. <laughs> I mean, they hardly sleep. What else are they going to do? <laughs> what else are you guys doing? It's what? a good way to stay awake. It might still be young if it was one of the calves of, from the female, I wonder, because right. it was a few years. Like, he could have been the first calf. It, looking at his size, and of course, he's standing next to another giraffe, and I don't know how old that giraffe is, mm-hmm. and the vegetation around them. I feel like that's not really an indication. of It could be a bush, or it could be a tree they're standing next to. I'm not sure, because I don't Get know anything. Get it together. <laughs> I don't know anything about uh, African vegetation like that. And giraffes. So. And giraffes. You're not a uh, subject matter expert? You know, as much as I thought I was after your episode, I'm just, I'm not really up to par on giraffes you go to giraffe school you know what i will (laughs) (laughs) you're like jen i'm moving to africa you're like jen i just got back from putting some satellite transmitters on some horns of some giraffes (laughs) (laughs) like it's not a good time right now to do the podcast well anyway thanks for that science news since my mom sent it and it was relevant to the giraffe episode yes thank you so much julie i was really stoked when Jen sent that. I was like, oh my God, we have to give her mom a shout out. She's amazing. Yeah. And it was like, we, we definitely had like a high and then a low and then kind of a high again. Right. It was, like, it was a roller coaster yay! of emotions. It was. There was really? a lot of, it, you know what? I had to take a nap after. <laughs> <laughs> you had to pile a lot of cats on you. I put all the cats on me. I had to put Saber on my bed, which now I feel like he's, I don't know what it is, but he's having a hard time climbing up on my bed, like jumping up because he's a shorty. You need to get him those little stairs. I know. <laughs> but I I have to like move everything to the side and like if I have a comforter I have to move it on the side so we can jump up 
Uh, or else he's too scared. It's like too, it's like that extra inch and a half. I had a pug that was like a thousand years old and I had to get him some stairs. I remember those stairs. I visited yeah. you. So are you ready for my story? I'm super ready. I have no idea. I did not cheat, everyone. I did not cheat this week. She's not in friend jail <laughs> this week. She didn't. I asked her. I was like, did you check? Because a Megan uh, yes. and all of our and nature nerd listeners, this is what I'm going to talk about today. Are you excited? We're going to talk about crocodiles. <laughs> Shut up. I'm just kidding. We're not. <laughs> oh. No, thank you. Although I'm still thinking about the crocodile corner. I've got like a pile of stories. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about pigs. What? Oh, yeah. I do kind of like pigs. I know. We love them. They're very intelligent. We hate them. They wreck your yard on yes. a regular basis. Yeah, we're not big fans of them here in Guam, but... But mostly, we love bacon. We do love bacon. I'm sorry <laughs> for all of our vegan listeners. I've I've tried, like, fake bacon before, but it just doesn't... Tofu bacon? For anybody who does or doesn't love bacon... Yes. We all have reasons, mm-hmm. personal reasons, for loving them or not loving them. So let's talk about them. I'm not going to tell any stories right away. I'm going to save some stories for the end. All right. So right now pupils you just have to sit back and we're going to do the biology lesson up front there's so many stories running through my brain about pigs like unfortunate stories in true crime let's just say where i got the idea was i was listening to morbid podcast oh there we go (laughs) and they were like do pigs do this and i was like oh i'm gonna totally do an episode (laughs) on pigs and here it is yes all right pigs are members of the suede family it includes eight genera and 16 species among those are the wild boars warthogs pygmy hogs and domestic pigs keep up i'm taking notes right now there's gonna be a pop quiz furiously i'm just, okay. just like our friend noah i'm definitely taking notes right now <laughs> <laughs> archaeologists found evidence that suggests that they were domesticated around 10,500 years ago in the Near East before farmers brought them to Europe. So in like Asia. And then they were brought to Europe around 8,500 years ago. Domestic pigs are descended mainly, and we all kind of know this, from wild boars. There are some variations on this, but I believe that it's pronounced sus scrofa. And I think it's Sulawesi warty pig. Those are the closest ancestors as of about 500,000 years ago, according to the Encyclopedia of Life. Currently, so I'm not sure if this is a real, real current number, but approximately there's 752 million domestic pigs worldwide. 406 million of those can be found in China. Boars, pigs, and hogs, they live all over the world, except Antarctica. I wonder if they tried to take them on any of their expeditions. (laughs) They just couldn't. They couldn't because they have no fur. Yeah. Well, we know that they took horses. Well, they say Antarctica, Northern Africa, and far Northern Eurasia. I've heard and I read in other things everywhere except Antarctica. Wild pigs typically live in grasslands, wetlands, rainforests, savannas, scrublands, anywhere pretty much. I mean, we've seen them anywhere, right? Except for like on sides of mountains and such. Right, right, right. Well, depends how steep it is, right? Because we've seen them go down some sides of cliffs. That's true. And they say whenever they have the chance, all pigs will wallow in mud. It helps them regulate their body temperature and fight off parasites. Did you know that wild boars are not endangered? Are they? According to the IUCN. Are they least concerned? (laughs) I mean, they're They're listed as least concerned. (laughs) I can tell you for sure they're invasive here. According to the pigs, wide range and abundance, and this is in quotes, their tolerance to habitat disturbance and presence in many protected areas, mm. least 
concern. If they could make a category, something that was like, we actually hate them a lot, and then least concern, you know what I mean? Yes. Then I think they would be in that category. Yeah. In terms of conservation. Yeah. Shoot when found. It's true. They've been driven to extinction, some of them, in some areas in various countries around the world, like in England in 1260... What? Taking it back. Boar had been hunted to complete eradication through more introduction programs. There are currently over 4,000 wild boars throughout the UK. They're not considered endangered, but there are some species that are under threat. Sulawesi warty pigs mm-hmm. are one. The Palawan bearded pigs, they're listed near threatened. The Philippine warty pigs are considered vulnerable. And there's also a Javan warty pig that are considered endangered. Busy on warty pigs are considered critically endangered. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's from hunting and habitat loss, which is crazy because usually we think of habitat loss because of pigs. They usually weigh between 300 and 700 pounds, regular domesticated pigs. They're smaller ones, right? Domesticated pigs are often bred to be heavier. Uh, The largest pig in history was a swine called Big Bill. (laughs) Or Big Bill. Five feet tall and weighed 2,552 pounds. He was in the Guinness World Record. Did he just lay on the ground? Seriously. Was he like five feet tall, like he's standing on all fours, five feet tall? Or was he five feet long? Like if you sat him on his butt, he'd be five feet tall. No, I think he stood five feet tall. Hand to the top of his head. Yep. Jeez. I would not. I wouldn't be comfortable around Big Bill. Uh, Nope. Is Big Bill from Texas? It doesn't say. Definitely an American pig. Yeah, for sure. Someone entered that pig into like a future farmers of America or like 4-H. What if it was like some 14 year old kid? <laughs> he, was, <laughs> like, he was just like cultivating this pig from the time he was 10. <laughs> We're going to win. Once I get to You're getting FFS, me a scholarship <laughs> to college. I'm getting that full ride to uh, A&M. I would love it if that were the story. I should have looked up Big Bill. Hey, if anybody has a story about Big Bill, let me know. Wild pigs vary more in their size and weight. The largest boar is the giant forest hog, and it has a name that I won't even try to pronounce. It's, sure, sure, sure. it's like... That was great. Thank you. Native to more than a dozen countries across Africa, it can grow up to 6.6 feet. It's two meters long and measures 3.6 feet tall. That's very large. It says it's rarely seen, but there was one captured in June 2018 by ecologists in Uganda. The heaviest boar is the Eurasian wild pig, which is that Suscrofa, and it gets 710 pounds the smallest boar is a pygmy hog, which those are kind of cute, and they grow between 1.8 and 2.4 feet and stands about nine and a half inches tall. That's like a mini saber. Yeah, basically saber. He is a pygmy hog. Finally. Now we know. <laughs> and it only weighs about 21 pounds, like 15 to 21 pounds. So cute. They're omnivores. They'll eat just about anything. Mm-hmm. They're opportunistic. Wild boars eat a lot of roots, seeds, bulbs, green plants, but they'll also eat any kind of invertebrates or carrion and even small animals if they find them. Domestic pigs and hogs are fed, of course, like the feed they're given or slop that people give them, which is usually like vegetable bits. Mm -hmm. But I know in the islands... They gave them like every leftover. They had a lot of fish, fish bones. We kept our slop bucket inside the house that I stayed in, which probably contributed to like the quantity of cockroaches (laughs) that lived in that For sure. So the diet in the islands is usually copra. So it is the job of the oldest, like whatever age kid, when you get to be about like eight on up, you go and you can cut the copra. So you're feeding the pig that and any of the slop and they throw water in there because of course they need water. I guess for people who don't know what copra is. Really? I don't know. Maybe. 
Maybe. Okay. I mean, my neighbors didn't know. They're like the old coconuts that fall and actually grow the coconut tree. Right. It's the really thick white meat part. And sometimes there's the middle part. A lot of people think that coconuts have the thick white meat all the time. Oh, no. So I had to explain that there's like drinking coconuts. The young ones. And then there's the old coconuts for planting. Yeah. And then the ones kind of in the middle, You, I mean, you could use it for cooking. Yeah. But like, you don't drink the old ones. That's I used to gross. always eat the copra because it's good. It's sweet. It's just it like what good. you think of. It's coconut, right? Yeah. And they would always be like, oh, you're eating the pig's food. I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> right. It's good stuff. Let's talk about their reproduction. Domestic pigs can breed. We know this. They're pretty fecund. Indeed. They can breed throughout the year without any seasonal constraints, popping them out left and right. So once they're pregnant, they can carry a litter of around 10 piglets for 114 days, a little less than four months. Within the first six hours, the piglets will suckle the first mm-hmm. milk. If the piglet drinks the first milk after 25 hours of being born, their intestines will not be able to successfully absorb the antibodies in the milk and it's no good. My host family had a pig mm-hmm. and she had her piglets and that uh, mama pig was like not very comfortable in her area. Oh. And one of the biggest issues is that they're going to, I don't know if you're going to talk about it, they're, that they will step on their babies mm. um, if they're not comfortable. Not that I like save the day or anything, but someone had just cut a bunch of wood and there was all this sawdust and I was like, oh, we should put sawdust down to like make her more comfy because it was like really wet because that's kind of how they kept the pigs there they kept a hard slab of concrete and they would just wash it off and i was like oh we should put down something some kind of bedding so that she feels cozy and then Mm -hmm. she can nurse and we did and she laid down and and like all the piglets were super nasty when they were first born because it was like wet and gross yeah and they were all like covered and then as soon as we put that stuff down and she laid down and they i don't know what happened but they all became pink and so freaking cute They are so cute when they're little. Wild pigs mate during the winter season when solitary males seek out a potential mate. They'll give birth to around 10 piglets. And actually, the male and female share the responsibility of raising them until they're about a year old. That's cool. So that's why we always see them running around as like little families, which is adorable and frightening and terrible. And the male, called a sounder, he returns to his solitary lifestyle. He goes back to being a bachelor. So he like chills out with the fam. He's like, I'm such a great dad. And then he's like, you know, actually. I got to go get some cigarettes. I'll be right back. BRB in five years. We all know they're very intelligent. There was a study in 2015 by the International Journal of Comparative Psychology that said that they're cognitively complex, sharing many traits with animals that are typically considered to be highly intelligent. We kind of knew this, right? Yeah. They're capable of remembering objects, perceiving time, and making use of learned information to navigate their environment. Hmm. They're also playful and have a wide range of play behaviors. In 2020, researchers at Pennsylvania State University put pig intelligence to the test. They did like this series of video games where they had a joystick operated video game, two Penapinto micro pigs and two Yorkshire pigs. And they were trained to control the movements of the computer cursor via joystick. The test used to assess their cognitive abilities of other animals, such as like they also use monkeys and pigeons. I think pigeons are... Are they smart? Are, I think they're supposed to be smart. Okay. I feel like they're the raccoons of the bird fan. You know what I mean? They're like, <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. They're like raccoons. trash birds? Yeah, they're trash birds. So. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> they're kind of smart. They, they figured it out. So the pigs were tasked with making contact between the cursor and a randomly placed target on the screen. On successful contact, an automatic dispenser released food pellet reward. All the pigs were significantly above chance on the first attempt to contact 
the one-walled target. So it suggests that these pigs were able to make the association between the joystick and the cursor. So that's pretty smart. And if you stare into a pig's eyes, you can really see they're plotting to take over the world. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) They already have. It's true, I mean. (laughs) They're also very social. They travel in close-knit groups called... Squiggles. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us, Jen. Passel, a team, or a sounder, it says. But then they said also uh, just a male can be called a sounder. Oh, okay, okay. So that's a little confusing. I like passel. That sounds like some old English right there. Yeah, I like it. A group of young pigs is called a drove or a drift. Oh. A group of hogs is called a passel or team. A group of swine is called a sounder, and a group of boars is called a singular. Oh. Like, just pick one. Jeez. That's a a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. And I feel like just because it's from all over the world that people have different names. I'm good with Passel. I like Passel. Yeah, me too. We're sticking with that one here at Yigdot. Ye old Passel. (laughs) Ye old Passel. So they travel in close-knit groups called a Passel, (laughs) we've decided. And it typically consists of two females and their young. They communicate with grunts and squeaks. A short grunt, a longer growl, and a loud roar will warn other pigs of approaching danger. Yes, ma'am. Um, they also sometimes communicate via spider. Amazing. What is it like the world's best pig? An amazing pig? Best pig, isn't it? It's funny that you mentioned Charlotte's Web because that was the next thing I was going to talk about. What? Before I get to that, I wanted to say that the pig's primary defense is speed. Yes. They run real fast. But when cornered, they use their tusks and their mm-hmm. lower tusk can get to be about three inches long and are razor sharp. Like hippos. Is it sharp, though? They're uh, no, they're sharp. not sharp. But, but the, yeah. they're about that long. They're for crushing watermelons or ripping off limbs. Either one. I wanted to talk about, because this kind of goes back to your animal actors episode a little bit. This is just some interesting trivia, quirky facts about pigs that I looked up. But 46 piglets were used to play the role of Wilbur in Charlotte's Web. Oh, the live action. The 2006 movie adaptation. Each one of the piglets was treated like Hollywood royalty, they say. They stayed at the Ritz. They had like a continental breakfast, but like no bacon, no sausage. (laughs) They were like, excuse me? This is offensive. Because they would have eaten it and then felt really bad about it later. After the filming wrap, they were looked after and they were all given new homes in Australia. And another pig from the movie also got a happy ending. The Sal who played Wilbur's mother, she was also later named Alice. Went to Mm -hmm. live at an animal sanctuary with two of the piglets. That's super cute. Also, Winston Churchill, former prime minister forever and ever in the UK, Mm -hmm. especially during World War II, he actually loved pigs. And he said, I'm fond of pigs. Dogs look up to us. Cats look down on us. But pigs treat us as equals. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. It's true, Megan. Back it up here a second. What? Are you disagreeing with Winston Churchill right now? Listen. In other words, mm-hmm. dogs seek our approval. Cats couldn't care less. But pigs, they're intelligent, they're sociable, and they're more on equal footing with humans, according to Winston Churchill. Whatever. Cats are just are going to be our overlords one day. I'm okay with it. We just need to face the facts here. It seems like cats get brought up in every one of our episodes. I mean... We don't do it on purpose. What about chickens? I feel like they also... Probably will take over the world. I mean, they've been around this long. Have you ever wondered about the origin of the piggy bank? Actually, I have wondered about that. Why are they all shaped like pigs? Well, let me tell you right now, Megan. This is some cool trivia. In the 13th to 15th centuries, one of the most common places for people to store their money were in jars made of orange-colored clay called pig, P-Y-G-G. Oh. As English language evolved, 
That mm-hmm. word became pig, like P-I-G, or piggy. By around the 19th century, they began molding the little pots into shapes of pigs and eventually became piggy banks. That's adorable. Kind of cool. Let's talk about having a pig as a pet. Didn't George Clooney have a potbelly pig? <laughs> There's a lot of famous people that have had pigs. They're smart enough to be trained like dogs. They can be house trained, walk on a leash. They can be taught tricks. And there's a trend, like we are saying, there's a lot of famous people. There's like pet pigs, you know, that are at rescues. There's a lot of different challenges in having them. They get big. And one of the problems that I read about is that a lot of people will buy a potbelly pig or a miniature pig. Like they think it is. And it's not. And then it grows. And and it grows to be like 600 pounds. They live in like a not rent controlled <laughs> studio tiny apartment. apartment in New York City. <laughs> yeah, it's just bad news. A lot of them end up in rescues. They're not a dog. They have different needs. I was reading through the ASPCA's like some of the animal welfare sites and it's like you need to have the right setup. And another thing we know about pigs is that there's a lot of medical research happening with pigs. They're a viable option for medical research because they're so similar to us. There's not as many ethical dilemmas I guess people have as opposed to using primates. I think because pigs are viewed as a livestock. Right. There's millions of domestic pigs out there. A hundred million hogs are slaughtered each year for food in the U.S. One hundred million. Let that sink in for a minute. Maybe I'm going to start eating non... The more I read about stuff, I'm like, go vegan. Vegetarian, can I still eat my chicken egg? Ovo-lacto-vegetarian? There's all different uh, categories. I'm sure that we have listeners who are vegan, vegetarian, all the different levels. I think I could do pescatarian. I went years without eating any pork. Right. I well, I remember it. you had that shirt. Yes. It had like a little pig holding a flower on it. And it was like, said, please don't eat me. I love yeah, you. I love you. Please don't eat me. <laughs> but everything went out the window when we were Peace Corps volunteers. I couldn't just say right. no or if there was no food. Well, pork was such a major Yeah, it was a food. thing. Yeah. yeah, people raised pigs there as they were brought in for livestock well and you'd only get it on graduations or Mm -hmm. holiday you know really special occasions usually graduations yeah it was a big deal and also a lot of times i was just like starving (laughs) i was just damn hungry you you were in a whole nother level of (laughs) hunger i was like (laughs) some salty meat right now would be really great i've (laughs) been eating rice for like three weeks yeah anyway that was when everything changed. Well, when I was working at agriculture, uh, they had brought in some pigs. I think it was because no one wanted to go to this training. But as a requirement of, of the grant that brought the pigs there, mm-hmm. I had to go, come to Guam, take this course at University oh, of right, Guam right, right. about livestock. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know anything about... I was like, definitely in forestry. <laughs> I was like, I don't know anything about pigs. Yes. But I had to go and like take notes on it. And like one other guy from our Fran. That's the thing when you become a Peace Corps, you're like, I am a marine biologist or whatever it is, you know, like I study corals. And they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, can you go tell us how to fix a piggery? And you're like, nope. (laughs) Can you go learn about this, please? We don't want to send any, but no one wants to go. Like for me, I went as a biologist, you know, to do environmental. And they're like, can you go teach fifth grade? And I was like, nope. (laughs) I don't know how to teach. I'm not a teacher. (laughs) Anyway. It's true. They say if you get a pig that weighs about 132 pounds or 60 kilograms, for example, Mm -hmm. it's going to resemble the human body 
a lot because of the fat distribution, the cover of hair. They have the same ability to attract insects because they don't have hair. Right. If something is working or not working with a pig, it's probably going to be the same for a human. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at doing organ transplants. I mean, I've been talking about that for several years. And they like took an organ, like a heart, I think, from a pig and put it in a baboon. I'm like, these poor animals. They're like, that's some what's that what's that thing we've talked about it before on here the doctor on the island dr moreau yes so there's a may 2021 live science article Mm -hmm. that i wanted to talk about it's called pigs can breathe through their butts (laughs) this is i'm throwing in a science news here that everyone needs to know about (laughs) do do we really want to know oh yeah we want to know we want to know it's true we want to know because this is something that they're working on that could affect our hospital stay just listen (laughs) I have to, I read this article and I was like, I guess that's good, but I feel really uncomfortable about this. Okay, so mice, rats, and pigs are able to use their intestines to breathe. And scientists discovered this by pumping oxygen up their butts. (laughs) But why, you ask? (laughs) Megan is wanting to know why. Why would you do this? What is wrong with you that you would do this? They're smart people. Okay. And they wanted to find a potential alternative to mechanical ventilation, which is where a machine pushes air into your lungs through your windpipe. So ventilators, right, deliver oxygen to the lungs and help remove carbon dioxide from the blood. As we know from COVID-19 pandemic, Mm -hmm. that it's not, they're not always available. Mm -hmm. So this became something that people started looking at. Stay with me. This is not, I swear to God, this is not a South Park episode idea. We all know that during the pandemic, and it was really terrible, and there's Mm. nothing funny about it. A lot of hospitals face shortages of ventilators. They also use this technique called extracorporeal membrane oxygenation ECMO. We've heard of ECMO machines. They pump the blood out of your body and put in reoxygenated blood blood, um, through with a machine. And it's like, and there's all these risks involved with bleeding, blood clots. They are looking for other solutions. So they looked at like sea cucumbers, which use their intestines for respiration. But it was at the time they weren't sure if mammals had the same capability. They looked at a mouse to see if they could deliver oxygen gas intraanously. Dr. Takanori Takabe, he's a professor at the Tokyo Medical and Dental University, and he's also the director at the Center for Stem Cell and Organoid Research in Medicine at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center, working with a lot of things. And he said, without intestinal ventilation, mice placed in a low oxygen environment survived for 11 minutes. But with the ventilation into their anuses... Sorry, we're children. (laughs) 75% survived for 50 minutes thanks to an infusion of oxygen that reached their hearts. So the team tried to use oxygenated liquid rather than gas in mice, rats, and pigs and found similar promising results. They noted that they still need to do more work to see if it's effective in humans. The pandemic highlighted the need to respond to options for ventilation. But in Russia, they've already explored the idea of using intestinal ventilation in human patients. And they conducted a clinical trial in 2014. They just put up like a thing on a bulletin board <laughs> at like a university in Russia. You can tear off the phone number at the bottom. <laughs> They're like, like, are you interested in participating in a study? They actually started some trials and they had patented methods already and equipment for delivering oxygen gas into the intestines. What I'm getting at is that this is where we're going in the future. Pretty soon we're going to go and they're just going to stick a tube up our butt 
And that's how we're going to get oxygen. Cool. So what's the big deal? When we were kids, you get suppositories. I mean, my son, he was so sick one time that it was like we couldn't get him to take. He had like a really high fever. She was like, let's do a suppository because he threw it up. Right. Right. It was like also with the throwing up. It's like sometimes you got to, you know, put something up the butt. Sometimes you got to do it. And you know what? If you need oxygen, Mm -hmm. it's a wave of the future, Megan. So just get ready because by the time we're old and I won't even care what's going in my butt when I'm like 90 and I can't (laughs) breathe. I'll be like, whatever. I feel like ventilators are very obstructive. I mean, they go down into your throat. It seems awful. Yeah. So you could be having a conversation. No one will see it. <laughs> no one, They'll be like, how's that oxygen getting to you? Like lifting up the side of your covers. <laughs> discreet, You're like, hey, hey, hey. It's discreet cool. oxy- oxygenation. <laughs> it's on the DO. <laughs> but, you know, it's if you're in the hospital and you need whatever you need, just who cares? Did they start out with like little tiny, you know, like from the Princess Bride, like little tiny. <laughs> <laughs> what are those called? Air compressy thingies. Oh, God, what are those a name called? for like fires. Yeah, for like fires because you're going to stoke a fire with Yeah, it. my grandparents had one of those. Just There's a, a name for it. Just tiny ones for mice. Oh, God. I don't know. Poor mice. They get the worst of everything. Megan, let's move on. Let that just stick in your brain forever. Because now we're going to talk about pigs as invasive species and their impacts to the environment. This is where all of the natural resource managers, biologists, everybody out there is like, oh, yeah. We all know. And even if you're not one of those and you just know they're in the area where you live and they tear up your plants or scare you guys, I'll tell you what happened. There's a bunch of pigs that live across the street from us. There's just like a forested area. And there's a lot. Like I counted 11 or 12 altogether with the babies, like a big passel. I had gone up to feed my chickens. A big, huge pig just went right under our fence. Like, oh, I'm just going to go in. It's cool. Because we have a lot of... You have taro. We have taro and tapioca and all kinds of stuff. And so it just trotted right over there like it had done it a million times. And I'm like, you jerk. Like, how did it just slipped in right under the fence? Didn't see me. And so I called down to the house and I told my daughter to tell... There's another relative at the house at the moment. My husband wasn't home yet. He was coming home. And I was like, hey, you need to let the dog out so it'll come chase this pig back under the fence. Yeah. It was huge. And I was kind of scared. Yeah. Because these pigs are really um, aggressive. Yeah. Especially if they're in like a tight spot. So, of course, my daughter, who's 10, comes out and is looking around like, oh, there's a pig. And then (laughs) here comes the dog. The dog's like chasing after the pig to chase it back out. The pig goes running. It hit the fence, broke one fence, bounced (laughs) off, went around. My daughter was crying. She was so scared. And I was like, I still had her on the phone. And I was like, go back inside. But a pig came really close to them. Mm-hmm. went to the other fence it was my husband's cousin who's going to school here and yeah, he yeah. came out with like a shovel and was like ah, <laughs> like trying to make it get back out it broke another fence but i mean that's really scary it broke up yeah. our fence scared my daughter this aggression will not stand we've tried to trap them we called the mayor's office they put a trap it was like nope and now that it was scared because they're really smart it was like mm-hmm. well i guess we're not going to that house we secured the fence my husband's encountered a lot of pigs here in guam while he's been doing surveys and stuff and Mm -hmm. he's actually killed two he told me that story you were like tell her the story about the pig yeah because the pig was chasing the other guys he was doing the work with and they were freaking out the pig was charging them he actually like killed it and he just wanted it to stop there was a farmer that got attacked really bad here. Mm-hmm. I think he was okay later, but he went to the hospital. A couple of Christmases ago, there was a guy riding his motorcycle and a pig ran in front of him, had an accident on his motorcycle, and he passed away. Let me just tell you that they are listed as one of the 100 of the world's worst 
invasive species. I looked at all the mammals of this list of 100 because it's like plants, reptiles, it's everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right up there with goats, European red deer, mongoose, long-tailed macaque, which is palau. Oh, that's right. Field mouse, short-tailed weasel, nutria, rabbits, rats, gray squirrels, red fox, and cats. Hush your mouth. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the U.S. first here. They were initially brought over by Hernando de Soto. He was a Spanish explorer. He arrived in Florida in 1539. And prior to him bringing pigs, there were none found in the North American continent. Oh, nothing. The only thing they had was peccary. It looks like a little pig. They have like the white collared peccary... They're cute, but they're the family Tyasudae. They're pig-like animals. During his exploration throughout the southeastern U.S., and I put a map of this kind of to show where he had 500 men, and they brought along 223 horses, pigs, and dogs from Europe for food or for carrying things. A lot of the pigs had escaped from pens or were free-ranged and abandoned. Those created these little subpopulations that became wild. Let's just also say that this guy also enslaved many Native Americans and brought them along. They said more than a thousand. He was a real jerk. Typical, right? During that time. Yes. For four years and 4,000 miles, they went all the way to Mexico. But that guy died in 1542 and was put him in the Mississippi River because he found the Mississippi River. Did you know that? Oh, right. It wasn't there before he found it. What was I watching recently (laughs) where someone's like, oh, they discovered this. And she's like, how can you discover something where people exist? I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Then in January of 1699, this other guy, Sir de... Ibervilles. That was really good. Thank you. He brought more swine to coastal areas of Mississippi. Other explorers and colonies began to settle in North America and they just brought more and more because they're like, we love bacon. We want to eat bacon every day. But then they would get loose. More and more wild, feral pigs went around. It is kind of creepy, though, to see the change from a domesticated pig to then a feral hog. The yes. hair growth and the tusks. The tusks. And- Much later, the late 1800s, people started bringing over the Eurasian wild boar, and those were introduced for sport hunting. They say the first uh, North American introduction of the Eurasian wild boar was in Sullivan County, New Hampshire in 1890. There were 13 individuals that were purchased from the Black Forest region of Germany and introduced into a hunting preserve. So they're devil pigs. <laughs> they're devil <laughs> pigs. And then there was a bunch more introductions after that because they're like, this is fun. We're going to shoot these and eat some more bacon. So today, wild hogs can be found in at least 45 states in the U.S., Three variations that are collectively referred to as wild hogs in North America. There's slight differences in the morphological and behavior characteristics of the different variants. They all go back to the same lineage. Australia, because I want to always like to talk about Australia because it's huge and it's yeah. an island. How do things get there? When do they get there? It all seems to be around the same-ish time. The first recorded release of pigs in Australia was made by Captain James Cook. At Adventure Bay, Bunny Island in 1777. It was part of his policy of introducing animals and plants to newly discovered countries. I didn't air quote. <laughs> Just like fully. I mean. We have discovered you. <laughs> it's like we've discovered you and now we're going to terraform. Who are those people over there? Don't worry about them. They're fine. I found this place. It was me. <laughs> so let's introduce a bunch of exotic and. <laughs> I know. It's and, well, we want it to be more like home. You yeah. Know? Let's you gotta, introduce a bunch of stuff that will kill all the stuff here. We're the original invasive species. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, 
We really perfected it. We did. He brought over a boar and a sow, and he went about a mile into the woods at the head of the bay and then left them there next to a waterfall. <laughs> it was a deliberate. He's like, it's like Adam and Eve. It's like a beautiful waterfall. <laughs> He's it's like, kind of misty. He's like, here, look, this. I provided this area for you. There's like a little bed. It's like, it's just like just tall a vibrating bed. <laughs> in a heart shape. There's like a little jacuzzi. He's like, listen, listen, procreate. <laughs> Do this. And then by the 1970s, pigs were introduced to Babel Island off the east coast of Flinders Island. Those pigs were eradicated by the Department of Agriculture. <laughs> but since 1987, feral pigs have been considered to be the most important mammalian pest of Australian agriculture. In Denmark, they have more pigs than people. What? Because they guess they have like a lucrative meat industry with over 5,000 pig farms. That's, I did not know that. That's kind of crazy. Producing around 28 million pigs with 20 million of those being slaughtered each year. If you look at Denmark's human population, there's five to six million people. The pig population is so valuable that the country recently began building a $12 million wall to prevent the wild boars who can carry like... Diseases. Diseases and stuff to the domestic pigs. Crazy. Wow, Denmark. They actually have it because they don't want the <laughs> them coming over from Germany and invading just, the Danish pig I'm farms. Sorry. It's weird, right? It's just weird. It's so weird. I'm trying not to draw parallels at all. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm really trying, but it's They're funny. like, it's for it's the funny. pigs. Guam, they were brought over by the early Spanish between 1672 and 1685. Like a lot of invasive pests, they run amok because there's no natural predators to control the population in the U.S. They estimate the cost in damages and to control annually at 25 Billion dollars. Is that including Guam, like continental U.S. and then us? Probably includes All us. All the things, yeah. Because I'm sure, <laughs> I know a, there's a lot of money that I goes know towards. I know we have, yeah, we have a lot of money going towards pigs you know i didn't go through all the control methods but it's like you know you have like your snares corral traps you can shoot them from helicopters but it's all expensive or you can just put up ungulate fences Fences, yeah hawaii has a problem with wild boar yes and i actually i went to the big island once we were on the hilo side it was for roller derby and we were at this party uh over by this kind of like lake area there was a passel as we have learned today of some pigs that came out from the forest yeah there was like a baby pig that came out first and all these people who were like from the mainland because they came over to play derby were like oh my god look at these pigs and they like went and we were like oh my god (laughs) don't go close to the pigs i happened to be standing in the parking lot and there was like this truck full of like local guys there Mm -hmm. and they were like that's a bad idea they were totally over there trying to take pictures and someone finally was like you guys have got to not do this like you're gonna get hurt i'm gonna talk about some of that but one thing i wanted to bring up first was the climate impact of wild pigs around the world so this is from a july 2021 article in the guardian the impact of wild pigs around the world is equivalent to the greenhouse gas emissions of 1.1 million cars annually. Jeez. And that's according to the research. There was some modeling by an international team of researchers estimates that feral pigs release 4.9 million metric tons of carbon dioxide each year globally by uprooting soil. So there was a researcher, Dr. Christopher O'Brien, he's with the University of Queensland, said that feral pigs are one of the most widespread vertebrate invasive species on the planet. 
Feral hogs uproot soil while searching for food in a process O'Brien likens to many tractors that are plowing soil. Doing so exposes microbes in the soil to oxygen. The microbes reproduce at a rapid rate that can produce carbon emissions. So any form of land use change can have an effect on carbon emissions from the soil. The same thing happens when you put a tractor through your field to deforest the land. So researchers estimate that wild pigs are uprooting an area upwards of 36,000 square meters or 14,000 square miles in regions where they're not native. And listen to this. Oceana, where we are, had the largest area of land disturbed by wild pigs, roughly 22,000 square meters, followed by North America. But I think if you look like per capita, like the size of the land and how much it's because the islands are so tiny that Mm -hmm. it's that's why it might might seem higher. Well, and it's such a huge impact on native vegetation. Yes. And the introduction of invasive species into the earth. Yes. The ground. In Oceana, the pigs accounted for more than 60% of the animal's estimated yearly emissions. So emitting nearly 3 million metric tons, that's equivalent to 643,000 cars. Makes it a little easier to picture, I guess, if you talk about I don't even think there's... Cars. How many cars are you saying? <laughs> 643,000. Did I say million? I don't know. 643,000 cars, yeah. Are there even that many on Guam? Major impact to climate change. As we all know, another big impact is the domestic pig farms. You know, and I feel for pig farmers because it's kind of like you have to really be creative to come up with solutions for this, right? And I think they do their best, uh, hopefully, most of them. But it's mainly driven by the spread of feces and waste, Mm -hmm. we know, polluting the air, water with toxic waste particles. Waste from the pigs carry pathogens, bacteria, heavy metals, which can be toxic, and the pig waste contributes to groundwater pollution. There was a big problem in, I think it was North Carolina, which is one of the second largest pig producing states where they had all these floods. They'll have these like ponds or areas where they kind of collect the waste. It's like a settling Mm -hmm. pond and it'll do its thing and then they use it as fertilizer. Mm -hmm. But what happened is they had these major floods. And so all of those went back into the water It went into the water system. Nope. Really bad. So it was like a really big deal. And so, and there was really no solution as to how to fix it Mm. when there's another flood. So it's, I think it's become an issue that they've been trying to work out. When I took that pig class. When you were learning how to become a pig farmer. Basically, and I was like, I want to do this. This is amazing. I mean, I don't want (laughs) to slaughter them, but I totally want to raise pigs because they're awesome. They were talking about a study that had been done recently. This is like a while ago. This is like 20. Right. You could take the pig feces and convert it into um, methane. Yeah. That was kind of the idea is to. So basically. Sustainable. Yeah. Sustainable because you use the methane to power. All your stuff. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I liked about it was you couldn't use water water uh-huh. in the pig it's pen. a dry run it's a dry yes and it doesn't smell bad mm-hmm. and it's cleaner the pigs are cleaner they're healthier yep it was a, kind of a cool concept as long as you don't blow yourself up with the methane <laughs> true in <that>. your pigs <laughs> true that now is the time we're gonna talk about pig attacks on human megan so this is where the stories are gonna start now that you know everything listen, you need to know about pigs listen jen i watched all the seasons of hannibal i know oh my god all about it Ugh. We all know they can be very dangerous to people, especially when they're traveling in their groups or passels with their young. They need to be avoided. They've been known to attack without being provoked. There have been over 100 documented attacks by feral pigs on humans in the U.S. between the years of 1825 and 2012. 
five of those have been fatal. I mean, it doesn't seem like a yeah. lot, but yeah. I think there's still, a lot that aren't reported. I don't think people think about pig attacks. It's like, oh, they just are in a pen. Yeah. I really think there's more than this because mm-hmm. even just on Guam, there's a lot of stories from here. Three of those five attacks, they were feral pigs wounded by hunters. Oh. So they were wounded and then they attacked. They fought back. So both male and female feral pigs are known to attack. Attacks by solitary males as well as group attacks have been documented. On November 26, 2019, there was a woman from Texas named Christine Rollins. She's 59. She was attacked and killed a few feet from the front door of her workplace by a herd of feral pigs. Oh, no. And this is in Anahawk. I think I'm saying that right. Anahawk, Texas. So that's about 50 miles east of Houston. The Chambers County Sheriff, his name is Brian Hawthorne, and he said in a formal statement that multiple hogs assaulted her during a pre-dawn hours between 6 and 6.30 a.m. when it was still kind of dark, and she died of blood loss. I just can't even. Poor lady. August of 2015, there was a 77-year-old man... And this is actually in Sicily. He was mauled to death by a wild boar in an area which was usually an area that's popular with tourists. Uh, I guess they talked about it in The Guardian and said um, Salvatore Renato. He was in the Cefalu countryside close to the Sicilian capital, Palermo. He was with his wife and his dogs when he was attacked. He's 77. He died at the scene while his wife, Rosa, sustained multiple injuries after trying to help him. She said, my husband put himself in the middle of the animals to save the dogs. At this point, the boars jumped on top of him. There are no words to describe what I saw. They're calling those wild boars. So there's a distinction between wild boars and feral pigs, right? So right. the feral pigs are like were domesticated, domesticated yeah. and they were feral. So I'm going to talk about a couple of wild boar attacks. This is one in November 2014. A wild boar gored a woman several times as she was walking her dogs in Solano County near San Francisco. A news outlet reported that the woman is still being treated for injuries. She was walking her two dogs in Gordon Valley area when the boar attacked for apparently no reason. A neighbor saw it happen and said that the boar attacked for no reason. It came from behind and just knocked her down and she just kind of yelled and screamed. After the initial attack, she fought off the wild animal and was trying to stand up and the boar came back and attacked her with his tusk, cut her three times, injuring her legs and arms. She grabbed her two dogs, held onto them and stayed hunkered down quietly as quiet as possible until he finally left she lived how terrifying is that she went and reported the attack to the california department of fish and wildlife and lieutenant patrick foy he was with the department says that this could be the first unprovoked attack of a wild boar in california's history i think that there was a team that went out and they feel like that based on her story and what they found that they found the right boar the boar was unmistakable with a distinguishing trait. He was three-legged, so they were able to track him because he had one foot that was really huge to compensate for missing the other foot. So maybe she had described this, and that's how they and they knew. could track him because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, there's this pig with... And then they they killed him. A tri... They're like... A tri-pig. They're like, look, just because you have three legs doesn't mean you need to hate on the world. So there was another <laughs> wild boar attack in England... And this was in the Gloucestershire in April 2014. They were people out walking in Forest of Dean. There have been murders there, right? That place sounds very familiar Probably. To me. Yeah. So some people were walking along a footpath with their Springer Spaniel. Aww. And this boar jumped out and started attacking that poor Springer Spaniel. It broke its leg. <gasps> 
and left it with other severe injuries and then tried attacking the woman. The husband like fought it off. He grabbed like a tree branch and started whacking it, which is kind of what you need to do. They were all okay. I think the dog was okay. But poor little Springer Spaniel's like, ah, just like, <laughs> wait a minute. Poor puppy. Like there's just, that's, that's unfair. Why would it jump out and attack them? I mean, I could see like when it gets trapped in like a fenced area mm-hmm. and they get scared and they start charging or fighting, but... I was thinking about this. The whole idea of an unprovoked attack by an animal seems really foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Like all animal attacks are provoked. Like there's never a time where it's unprovoked. So, And maybe it's that... There are so many pigs on the landscape. They feel this is my area and you're coming into it. Like they're being territorial. Yeah. Maybe. I cannot think of a time where an animal attack was not provoked by something. The constant here is also with people with dogs. Right. So maybe the dog is threatening them mm-hmm. somehow. There, maybe they had an interaction with the dog previously that wasn't so good. Yeah, the only other kind of like unprovoked, I guess you could kind of consider unprovoked, would be like when we talked about bear attacks because they're kind of hungry. Also, that's still kind of reactionary Yeah. to their situation. Well, they say that in that area, the number has increased from... 300 to 800 attacks. Wow. And I it could just be that there's more boars, wild pigs right. or in the area than before. So they it's just, just, just happening. They need to do some suppression over there. <laughs> Here's what you're going to do to avoid getting attacked. And then I'm going to go through what you do if you are attacked. Number okay? one, never leave your house. Just stay Got home it. and just watch Netflix. <laughs> Perfect. So it says that wild boars are aggressive. And when they attack, the injuries are mostly lacerations and punctures. Severe cases could lead to fatalities of blood loss. To avoid getting attacked, avoid traveling alone, especially in rural areas, especially or where there's dense thickets. Walking with a dog can attract it. So maybe make sure your dog's on a leash. Yes, yeah. you know, it's not running off and barking. Don't threaten or chase the pig out of an area like what I did. Yeah, sure. Because then it just gets more mad. (laughs) (laughs) So number one, don't do what Jen did. Don't approach an injured pig in a wounded state because they'll likely lash out because they're weakened or scared. Mm -hmm. Don't try to feed or pet a wild pig. (laughs) Listen. I mean... You know. I feel like that's what those girls were trying to do. They want to take pictures and like. Get I really read close some stories of another guy. I didn't put it in here, but he was mm-hmm. also attacked because he was out feeding them. I think this was either in Japan. There's a bunch of attacks in Japan, but this guy was trying to keep them out of an area where there's a lot of people. So he started going further away and giving them food, and mm-hmm. he got attacked. Don't block the path of a fleeing pig. Again, what happened at my house? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Solitary large males are the most aggressive. That you could encounter, especially if it's angry or injured. Did it say anything about if they go through like like rutting season, like how deer or like ungulates have the super, you know. They say about twice as many attacks happen in the winter months than they do in the summer. And that's the breeding time. Yeah. Mostly, right? That's when they're all getting it on. It's like, get out of here. She's mine. So how do you survive an attack? Don't play dead because now they can just gore you, especially like in your stomach or somewhere you don't want to get gored so here's what you do first if you see a pig approaching from a distance run just run away keep in mind that they're also fast so it won't work if they're kind of close but if they're pretty far just go like if you see bees just run if they keep approaching you try to get up a tree they can't climb so as long as you're like six feet up you're probably okay Until they evolve to have thumbs. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's what my husband's group that he was surveying with, a lot of them climb trees. Yeah. If there's no trees around, stand your ground and prepare to fight the pig. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If you don't have a gun, knife, or spear on your 
person. Use anything you have. This might include a tripod, a bike, shovel, shovel, there you go, dog oh leash. Try your best. Never give up. Oh my Stay God. on your feet. If you fall, they can get you. Keep fighting until the pig stops. Oh my God. And they say usually the attacks are quick. Like they don't keep going, I guess. You fight until they either give up or you, or you kill die. them. Three outcomes. They die, you die, or the pig runs away. Yeah. That's why my husband just freaking hit it as hard as he could and it just yeah. died. But he knows how to kill a pig. Right. Because well, they kill he a He grew lot. up on an yeah. island. Yeah. So if you hit it right in this right spot on their forehead or on mm. their head, they die instantly. Right. It's probably the most humane in the islands, you know, but he it's knows. True. Yeah. He knows how to do that. Oh, man. I've seen some real inhumane Oh, versions. boy. Me too. If you get hurt, get first aid immediately. I remember I there was a period of time where I wouldn't eat any pork when yeah. I was in high school because we learned about trichinosis. I was going to go into all the diseases they carry. It's yeah. a lot. They spread a lot of diseases like H1N1, N2, N3, N4, you know, like all that stuff yeah. gets passed easily from pigs to people. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who have a piggery and have pigs really try to keep like they were doing in Denmark, keep the feral pigs or wild boars away. away. So now I'm going to get morbid because I listen to morbid. It's going to get gross right now. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. <laughs> Grizzly crimes where um, killers have fed their victims to pigs. Um, The one I just listened to recently was the story of Susan Monica. She is an American. She was convicted of murdering two men at her residence in Weimar, Oregon. Both of them were handymen that she had hired on her farm. And each one had gone missing under kind of mysterious circumstances. They had kids, they had family looking for them. Like, what happened? Where did they go? And that was in 2012 and 2013. And in both cases, she had killed them, dismembered them, and then fed portions of their remains to her pigs. But they did find partial remains and places nearby because pigs can't eat bones. Small things, you know, Mm -hmm. they can eat cartilage. She said that there were 17 other remains of people around the farm, but they looked everywhere. That she murdered? Yes. They didn't find anything else. She made up all these things like, oh, well, actually, I think this, you know, this one got drunk and fell in with the pigs and the pigs just ate them, killed them. And they're like, wait a minute. Her trial was in April 2015. It lasted six days and she was sentenced to two consecutive 25-year sentences. It's been very long. How old is so she? 50 years. I think she was born in maybe 40, late 40s, 48. Okay, so she's like in her 70s now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for sure. Not she's, coming yeah, out. not coming out, but still. Mm-hmm. They're trying to say, she's trying to say it's like manslaughter and then she just accidentally fed them to them. I Yeah. I got you. Uh, that's creepy as hell. And then, of course, there's the infamous Canadian, the worst serial killer in Canadian history. Willie Picton. He was a pig farmer. Go listen to this on whatever true crime podcast you listen to, because I'm sure pretty much everybody's covered this, but mm-hmm. Morbid did a good job. It's like a two two or three parter. So from the early 1980s through 2002, he killed 49 women, ground them up and fed them to his pig. No. Killed them like in his slaughterhouse like pigs. That's messed up. It's like those movies I don't want to watch. Yeah, it's the turn like your stomach Texas Chainsaw Mas- yeah, Massacre, yeah, yeah. whatever. No, that one no. and like any of those, mm-hmm. like I'm just not into it. The really gory, bloody stuff. But this is like real. It's real, real stuff. All these women were typically, and I don't know about every single one of them, were typically like sex workers or mm-hmm. people from 
marginalized communities or mm-hmm. so i mean he was trying to pick people who no one's gonna he look could for easily him. take advantage of yeah. and yeah and that they might not look for right away and they might be more willing to uh hang out with people who are going to maybe help them with yeah 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 they, he they just took advantage yeah, yeah taking advantage completely one of the canadian papers the crown reported that pickerton told an undercover officer that he wanted to kill another woman to make it an even 50 Jeez. and that was he was caught because he was sloppy he's so gross anyway go listen to the whole thing poor pigs they didn't know mm. they didn't know what they were what they were being fed and they had no choice And they had to have this guy. According to Wikipedia, numerous animal trials in the Middle Ages involved pigs accused of eating children. The Criminal Prosecution and Capital Punishment of Animals by E.P. Evans in like the early 1900s. 2012, there was a 69-year-old farmer. His name was Terry Vance Gardner. He went out to feed his hogs and never returned. His family were worried. They went to look for him. And when they went to the pig enclosure, all they found were his dentures. And I think I've heard that story before. That was in Oregon. Either because he was being attacked or mm. he had a medical emergency, it seemed like he fell in and was attacked. I mean, do they go into like a feeding frenzy maybe? I'm wondering. That's how they have you believe it in movies and like yeah. TV shows that use this way for like the mob to get rid of a body uh-huh. or something. Uh-huh. Is that they go into like a feeding frenzy that you can't stop. Yeah, I don't know. It terrifies me. Yeah. It's freaking terrifying. His older brother at the time told the Register Guard newspaper that those animals were his life. He said, for all we know, it was a horrific accident, but it's so weird that we have to look at all possibilities. That's the Coos County District Attorney, Paul Mm -hmm. Frazier, told the newspaper. They said, it's unclear exactly how many pigs live on the farm, but police believe one of them had been aggressive towards him before. There was... A 56-year-old wife of a pig farmer in Romania, she was knocked unconscious and eaten by the pigs in 2004. Uh, They ate her ears, half her face, and her fingers, but I think she survived. In 2019, there was a Russian woman who had an epileptic seizure while she was feeding her hogs, and she fell into the pen. So they just found her remains in the pen. Really sad. I read there's a whole article about it. Her husband was sick, and he didn't join her. He was in, like, bedridden, kind of, like, maybe had the flu or something. And then finally, he's like, where is she? What is taking so long? So he finally went out and looked for her, and that's what he found. You almost hope that she had her seizure and was, like, not conscious. Yes. Some of these people, it was just, like you said, the older gentleman... Hopefully had a medical emergency. He had a heart, like he died. Something, yes. Yes. And part of me wonders if it was something where they died or the pig was like, something very bad is happening right now. Mm-hmm. And that was their the reaction. Cue. Yeah. I'm hoping that that's what it was. Can we just tell ourselves that that's Let's just it was? say that that's it. Let's just go with that. In 2015, a Romanian farmer died of blood loss after being attacked by his hogs. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, a two-year-old toddler from China no. was eaten while he wa- wandered into a hog enclosure. Oh, no. I know. In 2013, a mob boss... <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> ...was still alive when he was fed to hogs by a rival family. So there's that for you. They say it's been known that for years the mafia uses hogs to help them dispose of bodies. Nailed it. Inevitably, there's always going to be something left behind because pigs can't eat yeah. hair and bones all the things. and yeah. yeah teeth and all that stuff. Like it can't. So there's always going to be some remnants. I'm sure there's a lot more stories. Sure. That's a nice uh, smattering. Yeah. It's of a smattering of disgust. Stories of just of horrific, horrific events. 
awful. Weird. So weird. Tragic events. Yes. So let's go to a happy story. This is uh, the last story that there were these two guys who thought they were adopting a mini piglet and she ended up being a 650 pound uh, pig that they named Esther the Wonder Pig. It's like the if you have name. not heard of her, she was a darling of the internet. Wait a minute. <laughs> I totally have heard of Esther the Wonder Pig. <laughs> That's amazing. So this is in Canada. So she's one of those countless domestic pigs around the world, but she's the most recognized pig on the planet. Wow. And she's got a huge following. So there could be like 100,000 people that will see her online or see her in videos. In 2012, this guy got a call from somebody that's like, hey, I have this like really cute little piglet. Um, She's a mini piglet. Can you take her? Because I can't take care of her because all these things has happened. So this guy, Jenkins, and his partner, Derek, they're like, okay. So at the time, they just had like a three-bedroom house in Ontario. And they had some dogs and some cats. They had some turtles, a koi pond. Nice. Like they're into animals. And they're like, yeah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll take her. But soon, they grew really fond of her. She was just super cute. But she just kept getting huge. So they, they took her to the vet. The vet was like, wait a second. There was something different about her crop's tail, and it showed that she was actually livestock. So by the time she was 18 months old, she weighed 420 pounds. <laughs> so they had all these pictures of her, and people just loved it. They say Esther kept expanding, and so did her popularity. And that's when they realized they couldn't keep her in their house anymore because she was just too big, right? (laughs) And she wasn't actually legally, they couldn't have her there anymore. By May of 2014, she had 250,000 followers. Jeez. And they got worried. They were like, wow, they're going to find... I mean, people are going to find out because she has so many followers that we have this like illegal giant pig in our house. Mm -hmm. And they're just like showing it all over the internet, It's like the sheriff's daughter is like, dad, look at this amazing pig. I know. And they're like, wait "Wait a a second. That area is not zoned for livestock. (laughs) Instead of getting rid of her, giving her away, they decided that they were going to start their own sanctuary. They were looking to look for a house so they could all live and she would have space to roam and they could rescue other animals. At the time, they didn't have the money to buy the sanctuary, but they put it out to all of her followers and they did some fundraising and they were able to get a 50 acre farm about 40 minutes from their house. November 2014, they moved into the farmhouse in Campbellville, Ontario. Esther's still around. She has a Facebook page. They call it the Happily Ever Esther Farm Sanctuary. It's adorable. Isn't that adorable? So this is kind of an older article. I'm sure that they have more animals now, but they give tours of their farm. So they it's $10 a person, and that's how they raise money to rescue other animals because it's a pretty big operation. I like their logo. It's a pig with wings and like a fairy wand with like magic dust. It's super that's so cute. cute. It says that her social media site promotes and celebrates veganism, but they're not critical of people who eat meat. And he says that if there are like vegan police on their comments, like that he takes it down. He said, we hide nasty comments. Um, We stick entirely to funny and relatable posts. And they wrote a book about her and they have all this like merchandise and stuff. It's pretty cute. So at this point, they had 50 rescued animals. I don't know if you can see on their page, like how many they have now. It's beautiful. So there's our happy ending. They won't hate us for not being vegans. That's right. Even though we should. Everybody needs to just do their thing. You know, like who knows? Maybe we'll be vegan one day. Okay, I wanted to talk about our organization. I read this article a couple of days ago. It's from November 19th, which is like a few days ago. Yeah. It's in this Yale Environment 360 
Digest or E360 Digest, and it says new study shows which places must be protected to stave off catastrophic climate change. There's been like over the years where they'll kind of map out areas like these are the areas we need to protect the most. Right. But now they've narrowed it down that just basically says old growth forests, peatlands, and mangroves. That's it. The carbon sinks. I started following these guys on our Instagram. Their organization is called, I think it's called Manga. And they sell shirts and every shirt you buy that goes towards protecting or restoring mangrove forests in Florida. They're in Florida and they just do a lot of really cool work. Check it out. They say that these areas only cover 3% of the land, but they store like tons of carbon. If it's removed, it can't just cannot be recovered. So now they're really focusing on these areas and they say that the consequences of releasing the stored carbon could stretch on for generations. They say carbon stored in these ecosystems is 15 times greater than the total sum of carbon released by burning fossil fuels in 2020. Wow. It is important for us to focus on these areas. I mean, they also include like these old growth forests, um, rainforests in the Amazon, Congo, and Indonesia, as well as temperate forests in Russia, northern Canada, and Pacific Northwest. And they have maps. I think the organization to support that is directly working towards this is Conservation International, which we've all heard of them. So it's at conservation.org. And you can go there and you can donate specifically towards different things. But this one is to prevent irreversible harm to Earth's um, life support systems. They're directly working on this research as well. Because we know that pigs are causing so much damage, contributing to climate change. By disturbing the ground. By disturbing the ground and, you know, right. And and really doing severe damage to the forest. I mean, here it's really bad. Like there's no understory anywhere. And plus we don't have birds to disperse seeds here anymore anyway. So it's just so bad. So go there and they say that no matter what, if we don't protect and restore nature, we will fail to prevent the catastrophic. We got to do something. So Megan, what... Would you put in your emergency preparedness kit? Absolutely. If you had a run-in with some feral pigs or wild, wild boars, what would you what would you do? I mean, I'm thinking about what's his name from The Lion King. And I was a young word. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Nathan Lane. Didn't Nathan, Nathan Lane? Lane yeah, it? he played it. Hold on, hold on. In... Puma. No. Pumba? That was the name of the... Oh, no, you're right. Pumba. Pumba. So, yeah, I'm thinking about Pumba and how he and the meerkat, who I can't remember his name either, but uh, how they taught Simba to eat grubs. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking that it would be important to have some kind of distraction. It seems like feral and wild boar, like feral feral pigs and wild boar are kind of similar to pumas or cougars in that... Like you have to fight them. Like that was you the gotta advice. Stand your you got to stand your ground. You can't yeah. run away. You know, if you have to, you, right. you don't have to fight them. So I think that in that case, we use distraction as a method. Uh huh. I think in this case, we should use distraction as a method. So I'm thinking we take the idea of the grubs. We put them in one of those cans that like people used to put um, jumpy snakes. You know, <laughs> it's like it's like coiled up snake. Like things. a can of peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. And you like open it and they're like, pa. And know? they fly out. And it's just like a bunch of like instantly inflatable grubs. That they just kind of fall everywhere and the pig is like, what? And wiggle around. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, this is perfect. And we call it. It's a diversion. Yeah. But it's got to be portable because it's, okay. you know, it's like portable, inflatable grubs or pig. <laughs> Amazing. I think Portable, that's- inflatable grubs. Yes. Or pigs. Yeah. It's a diversionary tactic. So you have a little bit more time to maybe climb a tree. I wonder if we could get somebody to test this theory. 
right. then we can market it. I mean, I, I feel like we know, we both know people who work in the field and deal with... <laughs> oh, that's my husband. I'll be like, look, I have a really good idea. Hear me out. Listen. <laughs> listen. Just be in a tree. Yeah. So you won't get hurt, but yeah. just throw them down and see if it if it causes a diversion. Or you could have like a Mission Impossible style like pulley system. <laughs> so you're like... You have your friend. Yeah. Like in the tree, like pulling you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could test this out. I feel like it's possible. It is. This could work. Mm-hmm. All right. I love it. I feel like we've already, I mean, it's kind of like TM. We're, we're going to patent this pigs device. I, at this point, I think everything that we're coming up with now is just TM. Oh, totally. Don't even think about it. It's already done, Listen, you guys. This, this, <laughs> this kit is going to be something else. Listen, we'll cut you in on like 1%. <laughs> if, you know, if you're able to make us a prototype. <laughs> We'll think about it. <laughs> yes. Thank but, you. That's amazing. Jen, I just want to thank you for that amazing story about pigs. Did you learn something? Uh, just, did you learn at least one I thing definitely, that you didn't know about pigs? I did not know there were that many species. I mean, it didn't like occur to me, yeah. but it totally should have because they are domesticated. But. I didn't realize the impact they were having on the climate. I feel like I know that from talking about invasive plant species. I think, I, I mean, I knew it was an impact, but not to that The carbon, degree. maybe yeah. the carbon side was yes. like, whoa, that's a, that's a lot. I did, Yeah, you don't realize the quantity. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. The metric tons it's wild. of carbon. It's wild. And anyway. Crazy. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes, it was okay. very good. Awesome. Uh, I think we wanted to share that we have an upcoming Patreon episode. Yes. We are going to be answering some questions that our mm-hmm. patrons have. It'll just be us answering a bunch of questions about ourselves and, you know, Peace Corps and things like that. There'll be some sciencey stuff in there. We're going to throw in some, we'll always throw in some information always, on nature. Um, maybe things we learned in our Peace Corps days. Mm-hmm. This will be happening this month. And if you would like to become a Patreon, just go to our website, click the link, or you can go to our link tree and Instagram. And it's as easy as that. Just go to Patreon and sign up. It takes seconds. It's amazing. You'll become a certified and nature nerd. Another way you can support us is to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we'll send you a sticker. Be sure to give us your address on the contact form on our website or email us at you're going to die out there at gmail.com another way you can support is go to our website and check out our sponsors see if there's anything you'd like to order there's links you can get discounts they're all zero waste or eco-friendly businesses that support us and we love them and we're not gonna read the ads but you can go check it out be sure to follow us on instagram and twitter and wherever you get your podcast stitcher spotify all of those things click that follow button that'll help us out as well you can also send us ideas for topics that you would like to hear crazy stuff you found online you can send that to our email or dm us on instagram and until next time don't die out there Bye. bye love their pork it's the truth yeah pork dumplings cut roast pork char pigs in a blanket i feel like that's just like (laughs) midwest america (laughs) many pretzel dogs i don't know perfect (laughs) definitely there's a lot of chinese people like hey can i get some (laughs) many pretzel dogs
(laughs) Just corn dogs? Oh, God. Those are, I mean, okay, let's move on. I like to mix the ketchup and the mustard together. Yes. Now I want to eat corn dogs. Thanks, Jen. (laughs) Remember when I had corn dogs in my house and you ate like five? I think I ate like 10. In one sitting, I was like, wow, Megan, you corn dogs. My kids were like, I'm good. You're like, you're not going to eat those? Do you want me to eat your... I can finish it. I mean, we don't want them to go to waste. (laughs) That's exactly... I mean, corn dogs are like, (laughs) oh, God. And if you bake them, you know, like some people... I've seen people micro... I'm like, why might... No, you put them in the oven. Get them a little crispy. crispy. That's what I did. Listen, all you bachelors out there, (laughs) the way to Megan's heart is some corn... 10 corn dogs and a gallon of milk. <laughs> and oh, you're man. in. Oh man, there it is. I'm gonna put that on my uh, my bumble profile. <laughs> Way to my heart. Dot dot dot. Oh, ten corn dogs and a gallon <laughs> and a of milk. Gallon of milk. Done. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> Literally. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. God. All right. That was now fun. my eyes are all watery and I can't read my notes. Okay. <laughs> Not drink my drink. <laughs> All right. T-shirt. I feel a T-shirt coming. Just ten corn dogs and a gallon of milk. <laughs> yes. Maybe that, for Valentine's Day. <laughs> that reminds me of the uh, Typhoon Animal Doll. And I was like, all I need for this typhoon is a carton of cigarettes and a twelve pack of toilet paper. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> me back then versus me now. Right. Totally. Priorities. Priorities. I'm just, I'm thinking of massage, happy <laughs> <laughs> I, I see that just did not hit. It did not. It went, went right over it my went head. right over your head. So oh. anyway, another pig got a happy ending. <laughs> Russia didn't make it to the moon first, so they had to, they had to get, they had to get a win somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so they're pushing back. I feel like I'm starting an international incident. 